All right, it's a great song to uh, introduce where we're going this morning. Of course, where we're going every week. That's a great song to introduce it, no matter what we're talking about. Because that is our goal. It's what we're, what we're asking God to do in our congregation, in each one of your lives personally, is that Jesus would be what your heart longs for. And that you would get beyond just uh, religion and religious activity, uh, you know, and, and release all of that for, for something better, which is Christ himself. So we are a group of a body of believers who adhere to that. We're holding to that. We believe in that. We're together in that. And, uh, man, this week has been just a sweet week of seeing the effects of that uh, in the lives of people in the community. And I, I appreciate the fact that you guys are standing together, uh, being representatives of Christ in our community. And our prayer is that the whole community at some point would be able to sing with us this song from their hearts, and that being the key word, uh, sing with us from their hearts, not from empty, um, or not from their minds only, but from their hearts, uh, would be able to sing with us, Jesus, you're all that my heart is longing for. We know that it's true. It's true for everyone, even for those who don't believe yet. It is what their heart is longing for. And if they could figure out, like we talked about last week, what they want, uh, they would realize that, that this is the answer to that. So we are trying to connect with Jesus in the Gospels. We're looking at his life and trying to focus just on the character of Christ as presented through his activity and in, in his encounters with people. That's our goal uh, through this study. And so I hope that that's happening for you. I hope that you are being further enlightened as to the character of Christ in a way that he's becoming more real to you and you're seeing him as a person and you're seeing his, his uh, you're, you're appreciating who he is and how that affects who you are and, and what he thinks about you and how he loves you and all the things that he is and can be to you in the form of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. So if that's not happening for you, I hope you can get focused with us on that because this has been a transforming um, series for me, just walking through and looking at Christ, trying to keep my eyes off of doctrine, off of uh, theology, if you will, I mean, as, as in the ways that we, the organized ways that we think about God, and just looking at God himself and trying to discover for myself who he is in Scripture. One other reason why that song's a good intro is because today we're going to be talking about how Jesus offers repentance to all. And that word repentance is probably one of the uh, most confusing words. When we talk about repentance for us uh, growing up, I always thought of that as being something I had to pull from within myself. Repentance is something I do. And, and we know we, we've defined it. We've defined it in this church. Uh, it, by definition, it is an about face. It's I'm going one direction, I turn and go completely the opposite direction. So it's a 180 degree turn. It's an about face. It is, it is the opposite of what I was doing before. We know that. But repentance is more than that. It's more than just acting 180 degrees differently than you acted before. It's more than just making a choice to, to uh, if you will, take a course because you've got to have it for your degree. You know, I notice in my, in my classes, there are some classes I enjoy a whole lot more than I do others. Um, and, and, and it's because the, the classes that I really enjoy are the ones that have, ma have my majors in them. 
It's the people that are majoring in my degree, and it's, it's a smaller group are majoring in my area, psychology. So they, when they gather around me and they're, they're going that direction, man, I love hanging out with those people. I have a class that I, I right now, uh, Peyton's in that class of um, interpersonal relationship skills. We just have fun in that class. We do crafts and color. I mean, we do all kind of stuff. But, man, all I have to do is say a word and then conversation goes because they're so excited about the topic. It's what they want to do with their lives. And, and that's the kind of transformation that Christ wants to bring about in us. It's that this is what we want to do with our lives. This is the, we want to do Christ. We want to live with him, walk with him, be inspired by him, uh, please him, uh, serve him. That our whole lives would be about him. That's true repentance. Repentance is more than just acting differently. It's more than just, you know, I used to be really rebellious, now I'm following the rules. It's not that kind of 180-degree turn. It's the kind of, it's a heart turn. It's a change of heart. We'll look at that in a little more detail in this passage. But we pick up two days after Jesus is, um, has been, spent this time with uh, the woman at the well in this city, this Samaritan village has been transformed by a woman who was transformed in her testimony. And so we pick up in John chapter 4. I'm going to start there just to pick up where we left off, and then I'm going to move to Matthew for our text today because Matthew covers this story uh, in the way that I want to cover it today. In honor of uh, Bill's 55th birthday, I'm going to put on my glasses. John 4, 43 to 46. After the two days, he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So after Jesus has all these Samaritans come to him from this village because of this woman's testimony, to ask him questions. He stays there two days and answers all their questions. And then he departs from there. And he goes to Galilee where the Bible says that he found a warm welcome. These people welcomed him because they had seen what he had done in Jerusalem. And we'll make a point about that in a little bit later. Everybody didn't respond the same way to what Jesus did in Jerusalem. But these people welcomed him because of what they saw in Jerusalem. But there's more to the story. Matthew gives us the reason for Jesus' departure. And I want to touch on that this morning. Because we always need to remember to do our ABCs. If, when I said that just now, if that caught you uh, off guard, like, ooh, yeah, we're supposed to be doing ABCs. Man, we've got to get in this. All right? Because this is all about knowing Christ. It's all about dwelling in him. It's all about encountering him, coming to know him by experience, and sharing that with other people. That's what it is. Okay? It's simple. ABCs. But Jesus gives us a lesson today about abiding, abiding in the Father. He does so much to teach us how to abide. And Matthew covers something here that I want us to to look at. Why did Jesus leave this warm place in Samaria and go to Galilee? Well, he did it for the same reason he does everything. It's because the Father revealed to him that that it was his will. He's following the the Father's plan. Look at it in verse 12. It says when, this is, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 4, verse 12 to 17. 
Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. By the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So first of all, let me me just make this point. Jesus is filled with the Father's love. Jesus is completely full of the Father's love. When you see Christ, you see the love of the Father. God has given his love to Christ, and, and, and Jesus is a perfect picture and demonstration of the love of God. So everything that he does is absolutely motivated by love. And I don't, want to, I don't want us to separate the fact that when Jesus follows his Father's will, that in any way is that disconnected from the depths of the love that the Father has for us. It is an expression of the love of God. But what he does here is he follows his own heart. The love of God has filled Jesus' heart, and God uses Jesus' passion in his love for John the Baptist to move him. He uses the testimony of some that had come to him and said, John the Baptist has been arrested. And that circumstance and that predicament was by God's design. And it was God using Jesus' own heart to draw him to go to where John was in Galilee. Now, why why is that such an important point? I know that a lot of us... This past week, I heard someone talking about, you know, that they don't want to hear anyone saying, you know, I heard from God. Well, we do hear from God. You know, we're not talking about audible voices. We're talking about God speaks in very specific ways. He guides us. He, he takes our hearts and moves us in a certain direction, ultimately, as believers, to either sanctify us or to get us on his agenda, to move us into his plan, which is where we want to be, Right? Y'all agree with that? Say, oh, yeah. We want to be on God's agenda. So God is moving us that direction. And here's one of the ways that God speaks. If you need to know, if you're wondering, okay, what, when you say God speaks, what does it mean? Here's one of the ways. Jesus has a heart for God, okay? Dig in, man. Grab your heart. Give God all of your heart. Surrender your heart to him. When you love God and your heart and your passion are for him, then he has the freedom, first of all, and, and access to you because you're, you're welcoming him all the time. And God uh, it, he puts his heart in Jesus. And then God brings a circumstance into Jesus' life that he knows will get Jesus to go to Galilee. Galilee of the Gentiles, okay? A place where, again, where Jews don't hang out. This is, this is a Gentile region around the sea. These two cities were on the sea, and they were Gentile Gentile regions. So these were not the people of God. But Jesus goes there, and he goes there because he saw God working in him to move him that direction. It's not that complicated. When you guard your heart, as the psalmist talks about, you keep your heart and your passion for God. 
you make sure that your, your desire, uh, that you're going with the desire and asking God to grow your heart to the point where what you want is him, then you, you, can, be, you can rest comfortably that God is going to use your heart to move you where you need to go. Now, I'm not talking about your emotions. Sometimes we have to check our emotions. Sometimes we have to check ourselves, as, you know, because we tend to get angry and move out of anger, or we, we tend to get jealous and move out of jealousy. That's sin. I'm talking about a heart for God. If your heart is to know God and to walk in his will and to, to love God more deeply, then, then trust that and trust that God's even using your, your passions to guide you where you need to go. Numerous examples in this room. I could ask for testimonies that we could stay here till next week of testimonies of you guys who have walked with what your heart has told you to do and God has put you in the place where you need to be. So rest in that. It's a good thing to rest in. Jesus did that. And one of the beautiful characteristics about Christ that we've celebrated before and will celebrate again is that he is our example of how to walk in relationship with the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us and guides us and speaks to us. We can trust our hearts. So don't second-guess yourself. Listen, I, I know that a lot of people want you to second-guess yourself because you, you're moving outside of logic, outside of reason, outside of uh, the, the normal, traditional way of doing things, and that's who we are as, as a gathering place. But I would rather, and I trust more, that you would follow your heart and check your heart, make sure you're going after God, and then let God be the fool. You know, don't you you might not look like a fool in front of in front you might look like a fool in front of people, but when you're going with God, it's okay. We are fools. Move with God in the direction that He tells you to go. Trust that. So He adjusts His plans to the Father's leading. And God is accomplishing His plan. And because he loves his son, Jesus has already told us in John's gospel that because God loves him, he shows him what he's doing. And so Jesus repeatedly gives us these examples of what it looks like for us to walk in the will of the Father. And I hope that encourages you this morning. So in this story, he helps us to see how the Father accomplishes that. Jesus loved John. And that love that God put inside of him was formed by God. God formed that love in the heart of Jesus. We know that it came from God for two reasons. Number one, because it's selfless love. Jesus is leaving a place where he's been accepted, loved, that people are coming to him and asking questions, and there's revival going on in this little Samaritan village in the most unlikely spot that Jesus probably shouldn't even have gone through, but he went through and stayed for two days, and people are growing and moving and working. God's doing his work through Jesus. It's a great place to stay and keep hanging out and build a house, but he doesn't stay there. So we know that he's on God's agenda because uh, God's love is selfless, and his love for, for John to go to this place to where John was and, and be present there, obviously already acknowledged by John as being the Messiah, so everybody knows the connection that Jesus has with him. Jesus has already said of this man that he's of all men born of women, that he, there's none greater than John the Baptist. Everybody knows it's not hidden, so he's gone to a place of danger. John was placed in prison because of his belief in God and his preaching. So Jesus is leaving a safe place and going to a difficult place in order to be there where his 
friend, John the Baptist, is in prison. That selfless love, that agape love that's defined by God, not, who, not what he does, but who he is, that love. John talks about that in his gospel, and he defines it this way, or rather in his epistles, 1 John 4, 7 to 12. He says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is what? From God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. Now, all this love, that word love, in every one of these cases, he's talking about agape. He's talking about God's kind of selfless love. In this was the love of God made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and God's love is perfected in us. So we know that this is God's plan, number one, because of the selfless love. God put in the heart of, John, of Jesus a love for John the Baptist that would cause him to risk his life, leave, leave his comfort zone, and go to serve somebody else. Okay, so if, John, if Jesus needed to evaluate to see is this of God or not, is this God's will or not, very quickly he finds in his heart that the love that God had given him, this self-sacrificing kind of love, came from God. Another thing that makes us know that it was from God was the fulfillment of prophecy that happens. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 15 to 16, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Isaiah made this prophecy. He prophesied about a time when the Messiah would come to the Galilee of the Gentiles. And here's Jesus fulfilling that scripture so we know that this is in God's plan. That Jesus is not just walking randomly, leaving a place of comfort and going to a hard place. He is following the Father's will. And he's fulfilling prophecy. It's almost as if, it's almost like some of you who make decisions based on what you know God's heart, God's telling you to do, and you're scared and, you, and your faith is it, it's strong enough, but it's just barely strong enough, and you take the step and you walk into it, and then all of a sudden you realize, you see God's hand in all of it. We can look back at it as a church and look back at some decisions that I can promise you as the pastor, uh, we as elders thought about, prayed about. We were confident that it was God, but we had just enough faith to move forward. And then we look back and we say, God, you are so, your wisdom is so incredible. Look at what all you're doing, what you've done. And that's what's happening here. I mean, it's almost as if uh, Jesus, after the fact, is, is looking back. Well, here's Matthew after the fact, looking back and connecting the dots. I don't know if Jesus ever did. But Matthew connects the dots. He says, see, he was in God's will. It was prophesied that he would do this. And this is the same prophecy, by the way, where it says, unto you a son is born, unto you a uh, uh, unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given. Talking about, you know, the, the, the Christmas uh, text that we read all the time in Isaiah, it's the same passage. This is the son that was given, the Messiah, and Christ is there, and he's walking in 
to the Galilee of the Gentiles just the way the Father knew he would. So Jesus is the faithful son that God filled with his love and used to unfold his beautiful plan for mankind. And we have that. And it wasn't just for his generation, but for generations to come. We were a part of that. And listen, I want us to, to move on, but just nail this down. God loves us enough to make us sons and daughters. And God has put his love in our hearts. And God's will is to use us to continue unfolding his plan for our generation and specifically for this community. So Jesus is filled with the Father's love. And so we, as sons and daughters, adopted sons and daughters and joined heirs with Christ, we inherited the love of God. The second thing in this passage is that I notice is that Jesus is calling people out of darkness. Okay, he left Judea, which is God's country in their day, literally, and went to the Galilee of the Gentiles. Now, last week we looked at the story of Jesus going through Samaria and on his way to Galilee, but we didn't really talk about why he left Judea. After his encounter uh, that we studied two weeks ago, after his encounter with Nick at night, uh, Jesus started preaching and baptizing in the Judean countryside. The Bible talks about that. And the Pharisees hated it. And they even joined uh, in, who, not, we're, looking, we're seeing now that they arrested John the Baptist, but in that time, they were saying, well, Jesus is, is uh, baptizing more people than John the Baptist. And an uproar came, and the Pharisees ran him out of town, literally. He barely escaped. Well, I mean, he escaped by the hand of God, so he didn't barely escape. But the, the way the, the story reads is that he got out by the skin of his teeth. Jesus snuck out. But the Pharisees ran him out of town. And, it, and, and so he's on his way to Galilee, to Galilee of the Gentiles. Uh, because he, he's, uh, and he goes through Samaria. And while he's in Samaria, he finds out that they arrested John the Baptist. So whatever was due for Jesus is now happening to John the Baptist. But these are God's people. This is the church of the day. This is the religion of the day. This, this is the, the, the most uh, spiritual people of the day. And they ran Jesus out of town. And I love the fact that he ends up in the Galilee of the Gentiles after that. Look at Luke chapter 4, verses 28 to 30. It describes what happened clearly here. Not only was he preaching out in the countryside, but he was also preaching in the synagogue and gathering crowds of people. In verse 28, it says, When they heard these things, all, the syn- all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff, skin of his teeth. But passing through their midst, he went away. So Jesus goes to a town in Samaria and stays two days, leaving that kind of place, being rejected by his people, and he goes to the, the Galilee of the Gentiles, and he moves in there. In this passage, I see two characteristics of Jesus that I, I want us to point out. First of all, he left a place where people had no heart to receive him. Man, what an indictment on the church that we we have a heart for a lot of things today but but they had no heart 
to see the Messiah that they claimed that they'd been waiting for and praying for and searching for. They had no heart to receive him. Look at what John says in his gospel. In chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verses 9 to 12, he says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. In verse 11, here it is, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So Jesus comes to his own people, and they don't receive him. Matter of fact, they they are ready to kill him, to cast him off a cliff. And he goes from there, goes to Samaria and finds welcoming people there. And then he walks into the Galilee of the Gentile. He came to the place where people were ready to receive him. And the Jesus that we serve is not interested in forcing himself on people. And I just really believe that we as a church have missed this because we spend so much time trying to force Jesus on people, trying to talk them into something they don't want. Jesus is not doing that, and he's going he's gonna to complete this thought as we go through the rest of this text. But I want you to realize something, that, that Jesus walked out of Judea, where Jerusalem is, the Mecca. He walks out, and he goes to the Galilee of the Gentiles and Samaritan village, and he finds acceptance there, and lives are transformed. Man, sometimes I just want to leave this place. Not you guys. <laughs> I don't know if y'all feel what I'm feeling. But sometimes I just want to get out of all of the religion and go to a place where there is none. And I feel like at, at times that there would be a better reception in a place where, where people don't have to detox from pharisaicalism, which I had to detox from, and you did too. And all this religious mess that we're in. I know you probably get tired of hearing that, but I'm... It is, the scripture just talks so much about it. How can we leave it out? But I, you know, but, but there are people in this town that, that are hungry. There are people here that are desperate for a word from God, and we need to, to spread his message. But the same word is used here to describe Jesus. He is light, light coming into darkness. He doesn't force himself on people. Instead, he's interested in revealing himself to people. And letting us fall in love with him. That is his light shining in darkness. It's, it's Jesus being seen. It's his character being seen. And people seeing the light and realizing, oh, that's who Jesus is. I thought he was the religious rules and regulations. I thought he was the, uh, all the stuff that the Jews do every, all the time. And he comes to the Jews with light and says, no, you missed the point. It's me, Messiah, A sacrifice for your sins, one that will make you righteous before God. No, we don't want that. We want to be righteous on our own. We want to keep following our rules. He comes to them. He brings light into their darkness, the darkness of of pharisaicalism, the darkness of their religious rules. And they throw the light off a cliff if they can, and he sneaks off. And he goes to the to the, the Jews that are not so much Jews, the Samaritans, little half-Jews, and they receive him. They're not trying to push their rules and regulations on him. And then he goes to this, these two towns around the, the Sea of Galilee where all these Gentiles live, and they love him, and they accept him. And guess what he does? 
He builds his house there. The Bible says he stays there. He lives there in Capernaum. Jesus is looking for hearts that are ready to receive him. He's looking for people that really, from their hearts, will say, my arms are open wide. I surrender to you, to who you are. I'm, I'm done with, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I'm done with putting, other, putting you on the trophy case of other things. I'm finished. We, I want to receive you. I'm not going to be like those who you came to who were the spiritual people of their day, and they rejected you. I want to be like verse 12 in, in John 1, where he says, But all to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. If you don't know this already today, and you should if you've been here at any, for any of this series, Jesus loves those that the spiritual folks reject. He loves that. He loves you. So don't feel like Jesus rejects you when spiritual people reject you or religious people reject you. Jesus loves you, and he reaches out to you. And Jesus is just looking for a heart that's ready to receive him. So really the only question you have to ask today is how's your heart? Where's your heart? Because look at what Jesus offers. This is what he preaches Scripture said that uh, at the end of the the passage in Matthew, he said that um, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. From that time, Jesus preached this message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and he is the kingdom of heaven at hand. This is what he says. I mean, what is he saying there? There's a number of different words that can be translated repentance in the New Testament. There are different words used for it. It's just a lot like love, different words for love. The most simple meaning of is, is a change of mind. And, the most, and most of the words about repentance is just a change of mind. Uh, we talk about uh, what we were talking about, I'm going to, I'm going to change something. It's just I, I think differently about something. And so that's a change that he's talking about. But this word... In repentance, metaneo, means to change one's mind and purpose with results uh, after the knowledge is gained and the mind is changed. So he says, first of all, it's knowledge, and then it moves into my heart. It defines my purpose. That's the kind of change that Jesus was preaching about. Repentance is not just a mind change. Repentance is a purpose change. Repentance is a passion change. Repentance, according to this whole story, is seeing Jesus for who he is, recognizing him and saying, I receive you as the Messiah. I accept you as my Savior. I'm I'm making a personal change of purpose in my life. I'm not going to be in control of my life anymore. I'm no longer going to be the master of my own destiny. I'm not going to be the one who decides what my life's going to be and not going to be. I have seen enough about you and enough about me that I choose you over me to guide my life. That doesn't sound like a lot of the repentance that's preached today. 
To me, repentance is preached as that 180-degree turn of activity. I'm going to try harder to do this. I was not really trying too hard doing this, but now I'm going to try harder to do this. That's still me being in control of my own destiny. Repentance is saying, I can't do this. I'm done with this. And even when I try to do this well, it it leaves me empty and dead, and, and there's no life in it. And I see enough in you that people that are following you and the things that, that I have done uh, in, re- with, in relation to those people, I see life there. I see joy there. I see contentment there. I see life change. Why are those people changing and staying changed? They're not just making a, uh, a Lenten commitment uh, to, to not do something for a short period of time. They've made, there's a life change that's going on. I had a guy this week was talking about one of our members. And the life change that happened inside of him and how that radically changed his thinking about Christ. Man, I love hearing those stories. I want to hear it about all of you all the time. I want to hear it about me all the time. I want people to look at me and say, I want what he has. And then I can say, you can have it because Christ offers that. He offers repentance to all. He offers the opportunity for you to have a heart shift and a life change that results from that. Every one of you in this room, it doesn't matter where you are, what your background is, if you feel like you connect more with the religion I was talking about, or you feel like you connect more with the Gentiles uh, who are pagans, whoever you are, wherever you are, he offers repentance to all. He offers the opportunity for you, listen, to get to know him personally in your life enough that you can make a, a heartfelt decision to receive him as your own Savior. Some of you, it may take you a while. Uh, some of you, it, it, it won't take any time at all. But that's what repentance is. And, and so don't sit comfortably today if you're a, a person who's grown up in religion and you've never repented. The scripture says in Luke chapter 13 that without repentance, there is no remission of sins. Unless you repent, you will all perish. And so repentance is not an option. It's necessary. What have you repented from? Have you made the kind of repentance in your life that, where you said, I'm going to try and be better, and your, your, your life is a life of constant failure, of uh, trying to be better? And you're weary, and you're tired, and you, you're ready to give up on religion and, and church and God and everything else? Well, no wonder. That's a miserable life. I want to give up on that. I, let me encourage you. Quit. Give up on that. That's, that's going nowhere. Stay on that path, and you're going to stay miserable. You're going to have some moments where you feel pretty good about yourself because you're going to do better, and you'll pat yourself on the back, but you're going to still be miserable again. Here's my recommendation. Spend some time, and you're doing it today, getting to know God personally. Get to know Jesus and who he is and how much he loves you and what all he's done for you and will continue to do for you. Realize he's your provider. Realize that he's, your, uh, he's the best father in the world, and he can train you on how to be a husband and a wife, and he can train you on how to be a father and mother of children. He has all the answers. Realize he has all of that. Realize he's the healer. Realize he's all these things. And, and love him. And then let whatever happens happen. I'm not worried about trying to convince you guys to live right. You know why? Because that leads you to the wrong kind of repentance. 
If I stood up here today and made you feel guilty about something you're doing right now in your life that's a sin, I could do it. Now, I'm good at it. I got a lot of history in that. I got old sermons I could pull up. We could go there. I can convince you that you're bad, and you can walk out of here feeling like, man, I'm so glad I got that right. And then you, you didn't get it right. In another month or two, you're going to be right back in the same activity. What will change you forever is coming to know Jesus, giving your life to him, submitting yourself to him. Love him. Know him. All the other stuff's going to happen. I'm not worried about that. You're going to be a, you're going to be a godly person when you are in God. When Christ is in you and he's moving in you and changing you and guiding you, then you're going to be a godly person. Uh, up until then, you're just going to be a, a, a hypocrite. Somebody putting on a mask, acting like something you're not. So all of us need to think about repentance today because here's the good news. Jesus offers repentance to all. And what a, what a wonderful thing about our God. He wants to change your heart for you. Just, just let him. Give him a chance. You know, and, and so what do you do with that today? Well, first of all, here's one thing you can do. If, if you've encountered enough of Christ, and you're not a believer, you've encountered enough of Christ in the lives of others. If you've seen enough of Jesus that you're ready today to say to him, I want to repent. Now you know what it means. And that's what Jesus preached. It's what he preached to these Gentiles. It's what he preached to the Jews, and they didn't accept it. It's what he preached to the Samaritans. They loved it. He gets to the Gentiles. They love it because they didn't have all this religious mess. And, and he offers the same thing to us as repentance. And if you're out of place in your life where you're ready, where in your heart you can say honestly that God has grabbed your heart, don't fight it, man. Just pray. Just say, God, I want, I want you to have my life. I'm done. I've seen enough. I want this. I want to pursue it. You say it however you need to say it to God today in just a minute when we pray. You say that to God if it's in your heart to do it. And Christians, our church members, the rest of us, man, if you have had that struggle up and down, I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm not telling you what to do after this. But I do want you to ask the question, have you really repented? I mean, have you truly given your life to God? Are you ready to pursue him? Not, you're not going to be good at it. I'm not asking you are living a good life. I'm just asking you, have you truly repented? Are you really wanting to know God? Has something clicked for you? That's something being the Holy Spirit living inside of your life and changing your mind about uh, how to live, but then also changing your purpose for living, where your whole purpose for living has changed, and your desire and your ambition now is to know God. You do life. doesn't mean you quit your job. doesn't mean you, you stay on your knees all day. It means you walk through life with God. You get to encounter him and experience him throughout life. And if not, then you say a prayer to God today and say, God, I want you to come into my life. I want you to take control. I want you. I trust you and what I know about you and what I've seen in others and what I have felt you doing in my life. I know you're, you're here and I know you're working in me. I want this. Come in. Take it. Take my life. Next Sunday, we're having baptism. We have three people that are being baptized next week. Baptism is a symbol of exactly what I just said. It symbolizes a life where I was in control, and you're standing in the water before you go down, and when you go down, you're saying, God, I'm repenting. I want the old dead 
Um, so I'm dying with you in baptism. It's a symbolic of dying with Christ, being buried with Christ, and then I come up, I'm a, it's a new, I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. I'm ready to go with you wherever you want me to go. I trust you. I love you enough. And I know my love is, is, is new, it's fresh, just like when I loved my wife for the first time. I thought I loved her when I married her. I didn't love her when I married her, not like I love her now. But I did love her. And some of, I mean, that's where your degree might be, but God's going to grow that in you. It's only going to get better. And so just make your commitment to Christ today. And if you want to next week when we're baptizing, it's not too late, just let us know today. And you can jump in there with the other three. And, man, what a beautiful testimony of a changed life, if that's you. All right, so let's pray for a minute. So I ask you to deal with your own heart and what God has told you today, but just realize that God is not excluding you. You are here by God's design. God brought you here. That This message is for you. And from your heart, tell God what you feel and what you desire. And just know that he is offering repentance to all today. Jesus, thank you for preaching repentance. And thank you for preaching it on the heels of this great story of The story of our lives, story of my life, story of, Lord, abandoning dead religion and people that weren't ready to receive you, moving out of that area until they were ready, but looking for hearts, following your, following your Father to go to hearts that were ready. And Father, I, I really believe today there are people here whose hearts are ready to repent. They've seen enough of you to know that you're good, to know that you love them, to know that they're not excluded, to know that they can be sons and daughters of God, adopted by you, and have a life that's content, full of joy, full of peace, regardless of circumstances because they know you and can walk through life with you by their side. And Father, I pray right now as, as you hear these prayers, Lord, that, that you would confirm in each heart the work that you're doing.